0: Today's program was brought to you by Roth Cheese, a pioneer in the U.S. specialty cheese movement. For more information, visit RothCheese.com. This week on Meat and 3, we're getting semantic to understand the deeper meaning behind some of the foods we love. First, we'll look at the big debate happening around the word milk.
1: Who the hell are you to tell me what is the name of my product and my landscape and everything we've cared about when, you know, you don't have anything invested in except to put out a little money to buy it? <laughs> it's our entire life.
0: Then we get the lowdown on the language of cider. So the first thing that's really confusing about dryness is that it has nothing to do with how something actually feels in your mouth. And finally, we get our fill of tiki talk.
2: You don't walk into a tiki bar and be like, oh yeah, this is what Polynesia is probably like. Like, it's, it's supposed to be, like, fantasy and stuff. That's the hard part. It's so easy to do Tiki bad, and that's where it gets a bad name.
0: Tune into this week's episode of Meat and 3. That's M-E-A-T plus sign T-H-R-E-E. Available wherever you listen to podcasts.
1: If you're a farmer and you want to connect with amazing chefs and restaurant owners to sell your product, what do you do? Maybe you go to market. Hello, hello, Heritage Radio Network listeners tuning in from 150 countries around the world. About a million listens a month. And right now at 11.03 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on April 18th, I am certain every single one of them is listening to Tech Bites. I hope so. The weekly <laughs> show on the Heritage Radio Network where we talk about the influence and intersection of food and tech. We have a great show today. It is also the last show of the winter season. It is the last show at the Thursday 11 a.m. time slot. So we're going to make it a good one.
3: Do you want to plug your new time slot?
1: My new time (laughs) slot is going to be Tuesdays at 6 p.m.
3: Nice. Well, you'll miss me. I'm sorry to hear. I'm honored on this. Why? Why? You said 6 p.m.? Yes. I will be picking my children up at well, that's like right at the end of of my day. Usually Aren't getting... your kids big enough
1: to take the subway yet?
3: <laughs> I, I wish. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so that is the voice. If you were listening to the main course OG, which is the show right before this one, you will recognize that voice. That is the conversational stylings of Brandon Hoy co-owner, co-founder of Roberta's Pizza, where the Heritage Radio Network studio lives.
3: And always a pleasure to be on Tech Bites.
1: We love to have Brandon. He is here, you can probably guess, like he always is, to be a focus group of one for a new restaurant tech platform.
3: The only focus group I know.
1: <laughs> the only focus group you need.
2: Thank you. The only focus group we need. <laughs> the right people in our seats. Yeah.
1: So joining us today is David Moosman. He is... Co-founder and CEO of a company called To market You can find them online, 2Market.farm, F-A-R-M. And it's a pretty interesting little platform that we'll get into in a minute. Thanks. But before we do, we're going to do like we always do. We're going to go around the shipping container and talk about apps, apps we love, new ones, old favorites, Brandon, you got an app you like right now?
3: Um, I, I probably probably will be the same one that I used last time. Actually, I don't remember what I said last time, but Adobe Capture and and kind of the Adobe suite of things. As a creative, it's a helpful tool. Um, you know, it captures color palettes. It captures like shapes and stuff like that. And then so as I see something that I enjoy, I usually color capture it and capture it for for angles and shapes. And it saves into my phone. And then when I'm doing design work, I usually go back and I look through things and I say, wow, I like this palette or I like these like these angles or something like that. So I that would probably be my most used app at the moment. So tell us Or Find My Kid on the Subway. That should be <laughs> if somebody's out there listening, Find My Kid on a Subway is also an app I would like to have.
1: Can't you just low them with their phones anyway? I, I,
3: I think that we could, I would rather low jack them, like just insert it into their phone. Like an
1: actual low jack? Yeah, like a sci fi exactly. kind of low jack totally. implant. I ankl- just feel it. like
3: by, t- by the time my kids are old enough to ride this away, they're going to be like burner phones and all that. Like they're going to be like. Burner phones
1: are coming back totally. It's the 90s again. Oh, yeah.
3: The, and also, like your, their, your kids are going to like. I'm waiting for kid, a
1: beeper and a Blackberry.
3: Totally. They're going to like leave their phone in a backpack at a friend's house and then they're going to like roll out yes. with their burner and be like, yes. dude, my dad thinks I'm at Kaylee's house. And it's like <laughs> pff, dumb dad, the old kicks. You that. need to get you need to
1: get into tech. I do. You I need do. to get into tech and I start do. building all this stuff. Okay, but, so Adobe, now tell listeners really quickly though, what is your what is your creative output? Because we think of you as a restaurant owner and a hustler and doing all those things that come with owning a restaurant. What's your creative output?
3: Well, I you know, I, I, just to, in the restaurant itself, there's all types of design stuff. You're always like trying to look at something new, and as you build new restaurants, you're always like kind of looking at, at things. I, or I am looking for things from a design aspect. Um, I also run all of the merchandising for Roberta, so I do all the clothing and all that stuff. So merch, the Roberta's merch,
1: merch and the t shirts and t shirt design and limited editions, which is, is really a like big deal.
3: And I and it's like really an outlet for me to just. I, I'm a creative person by nature and always been into art and stuff like that. So it is, I have to have that like creative outlet to do. I try to find these creative things in everything we do. Like right now we're redoing the backyard and doing some hard stuff. tiki bars under construction. Yeah. All of the, all of that stuff is, is under construction. And you want to look at that and like with the same creative lens that you look at merchandising or, or anything. So, so and a, and a lot of these things you try to like find an outlet for your creative side and, and you try to like unleash that on whatever projects you may have. And, and that could be anything to like rearranging just the, the table layout in a, in a room. You, you know, I, I like to look at things, you know, um, with, with the
2: creative lens.
1: So man of many talents. I think so. All right. I think so. David, That's do you great. have an app that you like right now?
2: Yeah, um, I just had a daughter. And
1: Congratulations. Thank
2: you. She's uh, three months old. Wow. So it's, uh, it's a lot. It's great. Um,
1: It'll be six years before your first real vacation, apparently.
2: <laughs> Hopefully, not for you. Noted, I don't know why I did that. Noted. Um, yeah. <laughs> We're in Denver. Every day's vacation. You have baby merch,
1: right? Baby I merch. D- I do. Onesies? Well, not
3: not baby. I, I would say youth.
1: Youth merch. Yeah, okay. youth.
3: I've done some onesies, but yeah, youth. Pizza okay. my, pizza my heart. heart. Pizza my heart. That's that 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 was actually we did a postcard with pizza my heart by um, um home
1: slice.
3: Yeah, uh, home slice. They did that one too. No, I'm saying that would be adorable as a onesie. Yes. Okay. Right now, right now our baby merch says Little Stinker, which is one of our pizzas that we have here. So it says
1: Roberta's Little Stinker. The cutest. Mm. So you just had a daughter. Congratulations. Three months.
2: Yep. Three months. And uh, her name is Annalise. Not Minnie Moose. Not. um, Well, not yet. Um, Yeah. We, my wife is, uh, my wife is German. So uh, she's, uh, we call Annalise Liesel. So. When she gets bigger and starts taking Muay Thai, she can be lethal leasel.
1: Mm. All right, right on. She yeah. already nice. has a fight name. I like it. As,
2: yeah, and if she starts playing football, she'll be Diesel leasel oh. mm. and if she gets into the creative side of things, we're thinking easel leasel. So no. um, you
3: really got this. Totally, you she's gonna hate Planned you, when she's, oh, gonna
0: she's gonna hate gonna you when she's twelve. I'm
2: gonna embarrass. I'm gonna embarrass her every single day. And uh, it, yeah, we're not here to hit ground balls. We got to set her up. <laughs> Get yeah. set her up with a great <laughs> I, I, I did. I set named my here. first daughter.
3: Um, she's named after Charles Barkley. Her name is Charlotte Barkley and we call her Charlie. So she is Charlie Barkley. So that was, she just, we jumped right in with that one.
2: Totally. That's a good place to go. Girls
1: with boys names are cool also. You know?
2: I hope so. James King, Charlie, like all that. (laughs) It's great. She hates Charlie. She's like, I'm Charlotte. Like Charlie. Charlie's cool too. So this leads Um, to an app. Right. So, um, I, I one of my biggest pet peeves is how none of the uh, conferencing apps seem to work. And so my new favorite thing is uh, Duo, Google Duo. It just works. And I have uh, been able to see my daughter while I'm here in New York City. So
1: Fantastic. And
2: um, that's that's why the story led from uh, Liesl because uh, Google Duo, it just works. My parents, uh, they love it now too. Um, it's like the first app my dad's put on his phone uh, ever. Uh, wow. to be able to see his granddaughter. And wow.
3: this is a replacement for, like... Um, Skype, Skype or, or BlueJeans.
2: WhatsApp? Or, uh, um, no. It's, you,
1: WhatsApp has video and audio calls. Yeah,
2: but there's... Duo is... There's no texting. It's just you have pictures of oh, okay. your contacts and uh, it just shows... You open it. It's a video of you um, and pictures of your contacts. You click on those pictures and it calls them. And you can leave a video message. There's no text. There's no... Um, phone calls just reroute back okay. through the phone. Um, and it's so easy. My parents can use it. Wow. So, so easy
1: your parents can use it. That's an endorsement.
2: Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'll take my Google royalties when uh, <laughs> they, get ar- they get around to it. I'm sure the check is in the mail. I can mm-hmm. imagine.
1: Mm-hmm. So do they still
2: use writes checks manually. They,
3: they do. Yeah. <laughs> they
1: do. On, they probably they're all, have they're a, those
3: really big ones that <laughs> you see in the picture. Ed McMahon, yeah, uh, totally the Ed McMahon <laughs> check. Yeah. Yeah. Like, why is this check so big? It
1: Google. would be very funny if they had a super outdated paper HR department or something like that. I'm sure they you know.
2: do. <laughs> I was wondering if you had to take those big checks to bigger banks. Yes, if they had you bigger did. Slips.
3: Yeah, they have like a huge <laughs> deposit. It's like there's one place to deposit your giant Ed McMahon check.
2: I want to see the. I want to see the drive through. <laughs> An um, air tube that can take a giant check, or you just it's fold like it. like the Flintstones. The
1: tellers inside it.
2: Yeah, they're giants too.
1: So, in addition to having a three-year-old newborn, David has a food tech startup, which sounds like a lot of a lot of activity at your house.
2: Uh, again, we're not here for ground balls; so <laughs> uh, we're swinging for the fences. And uh, yeah, if it was easy, everybody would do it. So,
1: so we're piling the, it on. When David and I spoke before the show. I think the best description of what to market is came from an analogy. So to market is a platform that connects farmers and purveyors to chefs and restaurants, much the same way. Open table allows restaurants to put reservation inventory up online and then diners can search and book reservations. To market allows farmers to put their inventory online, and then restaurants can search, find it, and purchase. So what we're going to do, because we do have the amazing Brandon here, is focus group of one. I am going to let David take the conversation and explain to Brandon what it is and how it could potentially maybe be a useful tool to somebody who has a 100 responsibilities at least mm. and many restaurants to run
3: <laughs> food is food is most of them 90, 99 problems and they're mostly
2: around food 98 mm. of them are food um yeah so um where I like to start is where I started um I was eating 13,000 calories a day um playing professional football uh with the cardinals uh, after that I went to Italy I uh, made pasta there I um worked and cooked in uh, Brazil Boston uh, for Island Creek and uh, in Napa all the while working on farms and purveyors of various types and on some of the best restaurants You know in the country and and arguably the world And so we saw the same problems is that farmers don't know how to find chefs and chefs don't have time really to find farmers Um, It's not that they don't know how it's not that they're not smart. It's that they're literally working two jobs to some of them literally need to work two jobs. Some of them are working a two job uh, on their farms or purveyors. And they have to figure out how to figure it out. Every single one. Every farmer that's ever walked in this store is just winging it. And every chef has to do the same. So what we did is we put a communication platform uh, to connect purveyors directly with the people that want their product the most. And on the chef side... We've seen how disorganized things can be with a piece of paper on the uh, wall or walk-in um, and how disjointed things can get if uh, one chef leaves. We talked to a chef in DC. He had 160 purveyors on his cell phone. What happens if that guy gets hit by a car? What happens if he wants to take his first vacation in six weeks? He's gonna leave his cell phone. Um, and so we put, we, where we really wanted to differ from other tech sources out there Um, there are marketplaces, there are white labels. There's there's a lot of people trying to do this and we understand that. And where we really want to be different is because we think it's about the relationships. We think it's about the relationship between the farm and the restaurant um, or the distributor and the restaurant. And so um, we made, and we know that relationships are about communication. Communication of what the farm has, um, how much you want, and the details surrounding that, when they deliver, how much they can deliver, minimums, Uh, fees, uh, timing, all that kind of things in a frictionless system so everything's all in one place for you and you don't need to figure out how to figure it out. You just go to market. So can you
3: tell me how the... How does the distributor? So, because there's there is really a rich connection between most chefs and farmers, at, at least in New York, there is. I think that that connection <laughs> is big, a, a, that, a human
1: person to person. They call each other all the time. Yeah, yeah regularly. my partner Carlo mm-hmm.
3: is really, um, he's really engaged in that, and and he's really has like personal connections to yeah. a lot of these people who give him food, an right?
1: actual person to person relationship, person
3: to person relationship, and I think yeah. those things are rich, right? Yeah, but. And I think oftentimes where 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 a lot of this becomes difficult is there's a there's a there's a thin layer in between it called distribution, right, yeah. which can make things very difficult. Yeah. Not a lot of farmers don't have direct access to get their food to totally. to me, right, Wh- wherever I am. So, how does market like connect the the three pieces that that are the the food chain, right, the the restaurant food chain, right? There's the 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 chef who wants a thing, who wants a thing probably from this person and that person has to usually then give it to this person who is a distributor to, to, to have it distributed, right? So what's the, can you explain to me the connection between all three parties, how the distributor lays
2: here? Yeah, so um, what we really are doing now is we're focusing. We're focusing really hard on, on being really good at one thing and there are a lot of problems here in the agricultural space, um, specifically um, delivery, payments, and where we think needs to sit in front of all that is an f- efficient communication platform. So we don't touch money and we don't touch product. You don't pay us for that farmer's food. We don't want to get in the way because then every person that adds that touches food adds 40% to the cost and throws away around 30% on average around the world. And so we don't want to, um, we don't deliver and we don't handle processing. We only work with people that do. So if you're a farm and you want to sell to a certain restaurant, um, we'll easily connect you to that chef through a simple friend request, a connection request. Got you. So if you're a chef- and they
3: would deliver directly. They would deliver so, directly. So this is cutting out the middleman.
2: Um, we want to be a tool for farmers to uh, open up new avenues if they want middlemen yeah absolutely aggregating distribution is very effective and very efficient sure and not everybody can drive into New York City well also also, we also
3: also the middleman usually requires some sort of minimums that, totally. that that don't allow smaller producers to get into the game so or smaller restaurants and totally. and the 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 nature of the new market as chefs are usually looking for smaller producers yep. who specialize in a very specific thing Yeah, that they probably have a hard time finding distribution because they're, they're, so they're, niche. they're, they're niche. And the fact that they usually produce such little amounts of something they can't like really provide the, the, the larger distributor. Yeah. The, so,
2: the, so there's this weird, there's this um, really kind of scary thing right now um, that people are really just starting to grasp um, and it's data. And so, what we really want to do is...
1: Why uh, is data scary?
2: Um so what's the scary I was, thing about was, it? That's a really good question. So, I was talking to my um, brother about this.
1: data's been scary since there was data.
2: Right. And so, um, <laughs> no, I mean, I'm not saying it's scary now. I'm saying it's always been. Because there's this allure that it's complicated. And, and um, it's like physics like how many levels of why do you want to know about how i don't an think data is
1: complicated i think it can just be an enormous <laughs> quantity exactly. and when it's a huge like if you know 3 things, that's great. If I hand you a bucket of 12 billion Fire things, hose. you're going to f- have a hard time finding those 3 things. That Maybe you not want. me.
3: I'm a huge I love it. I would like <laughs> dive into a million things. But but I'm yeah. probably the outlier in this in no. this thing. I think I think most operators in my position try to narrow the the dashboard, right? They try to narrow the things that they're looking at, and they yeah. want to see very specific Focus. things. Yeah, yeah. You, 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 you. I could, I could name almost everybody's dashboard. There's their cost of goods. There's their labor percentage. Yep. Like you're, they're gonna, they're gonna go down the line of of easy levers to maneuver to make their their operation profitable, right? Yep. So, so you're gonna look down that dashboard, and you're gonna quickly glance at it and say, "All right, here's the things I can move to yeah. to kind of change to change direction." Myself, I usually have a second and a third tier, like dashboard of like smaller variances and things that I like to see that that don't necessarily show totally. uh, isn't a lever that you could maneuver to actually change something. It shows a trend that may affect your lever, that may affect your your levers later. The the major things. So you might see something that's moving up and down that'll get. What's you. an
1: example of What's an example of a first tier dashboard? I mean, your first tier cost, dashboard, cost, yeah, your cost. first,
3: yeah, exactly. Is all your overhead. COGS, overhead, you know, like your labor cost as a percentage, mm-hmm. right? As a percentage of sales, a lot of these things are as a percentage of sales, right? So you could, so you could adjust when you're busy and when you're slow. Yeah. So that's like those are those are dashboard, one. those are dashboard items that you actually can maneuver to to, to like change the profitability of your business, right? Mm-hmm. The second tier stuff start to be more like v- variance, like like. Why is this like show me the difference between these two things and how, how, and if you start looking at differences, like, like, here's a good variant, like a, a year over as a variance, right? You, most people use a year over like it's not a complicated data item, but a year over is a variance, right? You're looking at what I did today this year and what I did did today last year, right?
1: So because you have the Tiki bar under construction now, today, this year, and last year might be very different for beverage sales, for that's, example. That's
3: correct, right? Even though I do have a secondary bar, but I can see that variance and I can understand like why things may be different. Advertising, but- marketing, stuff so- Totally. And all of those, those, those levers are hard to maneuver. Those are just, those are, those are, those usually give you ideas of where you can go to maneuver, to get into these like more dashboard level things, which are, which are the common things that help you in profitability. Again, it's really simple. It's cost of goods. It's overhead. It's like, it's, and it's labor. Those are like the three major things that you can control and sales. Right.
2: Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. And so what we, what we're doing is we're, we're, Bringing, um, we're basically providing a, a, a really frictionless, simple interface for some, a lot of complex, uh, fire firehose of data. Um, you know, it's complex at uh, how good you are at math. It's complex at how intricate you want to get into this data. It's complex at the enormity of it. And so what we're doing is we're trying to take that data and um, show people what's available and less what they should be doing. We're not really here to say organic is intrinsically good or conventional is intrinsically bad or local is 100% of the time good. We're just here on how you get those um, products that you want. So
1: describe the dashboard that Brandon would see. If he was a restaurant using to market,
2: so Brandon would see. Um, so, we're building out the native app for all of your different buyers. And essentially, um, Brandon has um, multiple restaurants in multiple places, and each one of those um,
1: production for the frozen pizza,
2: but for all sorts of uh, avenues. And so, um, all of those different places, each have a purchasing manager of some sort. And so how do they make their purchases? They're sending phone calls, emails, text messages. And how do you know when something went wrong? Only when you get the invoice at the end of the day. And so what we're doing is if anybody's used Slack, that's another um, app that kind of conglomerates uh, information and communication. So in each one of your buyer's apps, they have the ability to, um, everybody being able to see what messages they send to the farmer. So if you have two buyers in one restaurant, a lot of the times, one of those buyers won't have the phone number for the farmer and say, hey, we're close, don't come in. But then they have to ask the other guy and he's off because it's Tuesday and it's his weekend. Um, or, you know, um, like we discussed a little bit yesterday, um, it's really interesting that the, the impetus of the term farm to table came about because of miscommunication. If you watched the um, Netflix series on, um, uh, on Blue Hill, um, I don't know if you guys heard this story. Um, I've,
3: I've never heard this story, no.
2: Did you verify this? I don't I know didn't, if you saw it. I didn't, okay. but I, I
1: didn't hear the story either, so go ahead. So,
2: so um, there's an episode with Dan Barber on um, open t- on Open called uh, Chef's Table on yeah. Netflix. And so um, not the impetus of the idea of farm-to-table, but the term farm-to-table was coined because Dan Barber went to the farmer's market and bought 10 flats of asparagus and he came back into his walk-in and there was 15 more flats of asparagus so dan barber um had a rough day and said there's asparagus on every plate in some form or another puree poached grilled whatever everybody's getting asparagus and so um a very uh, esteemed food critic of the uh, new york times walked in and so uh, everything was <laughs> Perfect, and everybody was on edge. And then the article came out, and the critic loved it. Critic said, "This is it's how." Blue
1: Hill in in Manhattan or Blue Hill Stone Barns?
2: Uh, Manhattan. Okay, so this was a long time ago. Yeah. Um, and so uh, he loved it. He said, "This is the this is what farm to table means. That um, when asparagus is in season, everybody gets asparagus." And so that's how the turn count was because of a miscommunication because Dan Barber didn't know what his other buyers are doing and so what we're trying to do is putting it all in one place everybody sees everything so nobody has to ask um when um somebody orders asparagus the other person gets a notification um and the administration can put permissions on their buyers and says this chef is my burger restaurant he just gets to see buns and patties and um ground beef this guy um is at our uh, high-end location he can Gets carte blanche, and this guy um, gets a budget or whatever and can only see certain products and certain prices. Um, and so that everybody sees what everybody else is doing. And most importantly, and um, I'm really curious to hear about it on your side uh, turnover. You know, we're yeah. in a very transient place. And when one chef leaves, we've heard so many farmers walk into a restaurant and nobody knows who they are because unfortunately they had a relationship with a phone. And, uh, I, I have usher. the
3: benefit that my partner is the chef, right. so he's not going anywhere. Unless, well, he does, unless, he's not unless, doing unless, all
2: the ordering for all of your different th- restaurants. Th- this
3: is true, but we we do have centralized ordering here. So so you know, not not saying that one person does all of the ordering, but everything flows through them. So they see everything. So we have one person who sees everything, right?
2: All the text messages that go out?
3: Not all of the text messages, but they see they see the the centralized ordering so they see like pretty much every order collect the invoice but, and then that goes back to accounting so, so yeah, they so gather the, the they gather they gather everything so but I do, I do I see this problem the double ordering the stuff like that because there are you know for us just in this restaurant right yeah. here there's multiple people that order there's multiple kitchens right yeah. so there's a you know pizza the bar. There's pizza there's pizza chefs right. And there's and there's um, a back kitchen yep. that does other food. So there's two different people that are ordering, that are ordering over here and ordering over here. Pizza. We have our we have a commissary kitchen, so most of the like ordering from purveyor gets done there, and then it gets processed in some sort of way. Like tomato gets made into Pilate, or curd gets made into mozzarella. Like those things get processed there, yep. and then they make an order within ourselves. So yeah. we have a very complicated yeah. system that needs to be managed essentially by one purchaser, right? Because yeah. we're not just purchasing from outside purveyors, but we're also purchasing a large amount from ourselves. Yeah. That's so we're,
1: crazy. Yeah. It's right. It's crazy. system. We're our
3: biggest, our biggest, we're our biggest. Customer. Customer. <laughs> <ourselves>. <laughs> so, well,
2: so we, we call We it, uh,
1: are going to take a quick break. Sure. And find out who the sponsor is of this show. Did you know? Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit, and we're kind of like public radio. We keep the lights on and the mics hot out of the generosity of our members who are listeners like you, grants, and amazing companies who underwrite shows like this one. Stay with us.
0: Today's program was brought to you by Roth Cheese. A pioneer in the U.S. specialty cheese movement, Roth is in its 25th year of making specialty cheese in the rolling hills of southern Wisconsin. With strong Swiss heritage, Roth is best known for its award-winning Alpine-style cheeses under the name Grand Cru. Fresh Wisconsin milk, combined with expertise and affinage, is how Roth creates high-quality, great-tasting cheese year after year. In 2016, hard work paid off when out of over 2,000 contenders, Roth Grand Cru Schwa was named world champion at the World Cheese Championship. For more information, visit RothCheese.com. Are you enjoying this podcast? Heritage Radio
4: Network has plenty more. My name is Sari Kamen. And I'm Leah Kurtz. And together we host Food Without Borders here on HRN. Immigrants make our food system vibrant, diverse, and delicious. Each week, we invite a guest to talk about how food connects them to their past as we explore what it's like to be an immigrant in the U.S. today. You can find Food Without Borders wherever you listen to podcasts and on heritageradionetwork.org.
1: Well, if you're just joining us and you're wondering what the hell you clicked on, this is Tech Bites, the <laughs> weekly show on the Heritage Radio Network where we talk with influencers and innovators in the food tech space. And today... That is David Mooseman, who is out from Denver, Colorado. Thanks for me. Talking about his new company.
3: You might know him as Moose, if there's somebody out there listening who's like, who's David Mooseman? True. Yeah.
1: His company is called To Market. If you want to follow along online, it's tomarket.farm. You can find them on social media at tomarket.farm, and dot is spelled out on Instagram. His... Platform is to connect restaurants to farmers to make life easier for everyone and to find out if it really would make life easier for everyone, representing everyone in the restaurant industry. <laughs> everyone. <It's> Brandon <laughs> Hoy, Roberta Pizza owner, co founder, Heritage Radio Network co host.
3: The representative of everyone in the restaurant industry. Oh, in the restaurant industry. Yeah. I was hoping
1: to like okay. everybody in
2: the world everybody eats. Oh,
1: yeah. <laughs> So we were just talking about to market. It essentially is a communication platform for restaurants to connect with farmers. How how would that make Brandon's life easier? Um, what if his purveyor isn't on your site?
2: Yeah, that's what. <laughs> I mean, that's not the big question, not right? Not how many ven-
1: how many purveyors do you work with, it, Roberta's?
3: Um, between here in Brooklyn, we probably have you know I would say twenty twenty three um which is which is down we've we've had as many as 40 50 at times so we've actually really over the last three years become really focused on trying to just get to the ones that we really like Mm. and and not order two things from this person and just try to try to find people who can get the stuff for us and so um M- much less i would yeah i would say probably you know in the mid 20s um blanca is like our ex- our exception because blanca kind of w- we will have new purveyors constantly well, it's, it's a super very fancy
1: diff- high-end fine dining also, gastronomic always, tasting menu they're always Michelin. looking for
3: a thing right they're always looking for a thing so it's the, so that's the difficult process like if your purveyor yeah. doesn't have it then you have to go out and find it and 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 often for them they're looking for a thing so we'll we'll, we'll get new purveyors we'll have purveyors over there sometimes that we'll have for weeks and never see them again so, yeah. so I guess that's unfortunate
1: yeah so i guess it's two questions one what happens if brendan's purveyors aren't on the site and two what would the chefs at Blanca do if they were looking for something is it like is it like looking for something on Amazon
2: yes so um number one uh it is um what we're building is a network so um we're we're not a month we're not like a monthly fee for uh, restaurants and chefs they don't pay um, where you simply want to get more people, more orders. So we're 99 cents an order to the purveyor. And so we are really a tool for the purveyors and the farmers and the distributors. And so we're going out and, um, talking to more farmers and seeing who else has this problem and, um, 90% of them out there.
3: So if I was looking for sand dab in California, I could just search in, a product, and see if there's a purveyor that so, carries it. So
2: what we're building, yeah, is that ability because we're again, we're not here to tell you to be local or tell you to be organic or whatever. We're just making the, how you find the next product easier, and we're bringing that data to the distributors and, and other people. So, what you, if you're looking for a Gretti and you can't find it, or something, mm-hmm. coche, fresh Weed a Lacoche, Um we want to take that data that um, all of that we're conglomerating from more and more chefs, and then bring that to somebody who has that product and say, look here is an instant plug and play all you need to do is accept a friend request and from these uh chefs who want your product um because it's uh we we do have a really simple system for the chefs but what we're really here to do is is solve the farmers problem because the chef's problem is how to find the farmers um and the farmers problem is that they don't have an easy way to be found and so that is the tool that we're building and, is and, the tool for the and farmers. what's the
3: cost to the chef
2: um so most of our farmers Friendship. are. Friendship. What's that?
3: Friendship <laughs> is the cost.
2: Um, it's uh, easier doing business. It's yeah. uh we're, seeing we're saving our chefs around 20 minutes every order just because of the back and forth on inventory. Well, you said you had garlic. Well, I wanted this much and you don't have it and that kind of thing. And then the communication. Um, if you guys have an a inventory or um, cost tracking software, we API into that. And so anything that you order through to market instantly gets uploaded into that software. Um,
1: I think he said there's no cost to the chef or the restaurant, but they charge the vendor 99 cents an order. Is yeah, that what it is? Yeah,
2: just 99 cents on however long. So for you, orders. it's
1: free.
3: That's amazing.
2: I mean, you're gonna. I mean, I'll
3: tell you one thing: the operators like very
2: free, yeah. free. <laughs>
3: yes. Yeah. And so, Are you, you know,
1: worried about quality if something's free?
3: I I would only be worried about is it poly-
1: freemium. I think,
2: I think in this no. I think in this instance, it, the farmers we're a tool for the farmers. We just the the thing that the chefs do is save time with a simpler system than have a complicated mess than it was before.
3: I think the vetting process is almost the same, right? Yeah. So from fr- from a chef's perspective, you say I need this product, I need uni, right? Yeah. And then this this allows you to see who has that product, right? Exactly. And then you would as a chef, most likely what you do is you vet those things. You say, who is this? Where do they, where, where is this coming from? What are they doing? Do I know them? Maybe I don't. Maybe somebody else uses them. Usually you're going to do your own. Nobody's going to do the vetting for you necessarily. So So then you say, I, this is respectable this this is going to be high quality uni that i would purchase and yep. i know who they are and and if it's if it's not local and they want to be local they may choose not to yep. if they don't care they can choose to yep. if 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 it is local you may be Pleasantly surprised. Is
1: there local uni in Brooklyn? No.
3: no. no. <laughs> yeah. I thought no. there might
1: be some like crazy hydro hydroponic no. indoor aqua farming no. thing happening. <laughs> no,
3: but also, you know, I have a restaurant in, in, in California, so sometimes we see we see different we get to get different things and there's different lo- loc right? Yeah. That, that so, you look at. So right? what we
2: say is we don't sell your product. You your product sells your product and your story sells your product because you here at Roberta's and especially at Blanca, a good portion of what you're selling is a story. Right. Of the experience of the story of um, how much effort you put into sourcing that product, how much effort that farmer puts into making that product great we 're here to translate the neat, uh, the the inventory of the farmers into the needs of the chefs and the wants of the chefs back into orders and share the story to the end consumer so when you walk into one of the restaurants one of the restaurants on our system instead of a chalkboard we have an e-blackboard so that you can see exactly who that restaurant connects to privacy pres- preferences you know aside and see what that farm does um how long they've been doing it what products they have available and then even take a virtual farm tour on one of the other ones you talked about um a uh, um, a 3D experience. And so if you hold the phone and you move it around, you can actually walk around the farm. So
3: you can't see this on radio, but I'm actually right. looking at a 3D... Of a uh, farm. Of 3D tool of a farm.
2: And, and so. yeah, it's it's a little bit Portlandia-ish, but uh, the real thing Never is... Never seen it. <laughs> it's okay. It's, it's a little bit uh, hipstery, but the real point is the transparency and the traceability so that we, we can go. to. So some restaurants are local whenever possible, and that's perfectly acceptable. Now, what's, what does the, that mean?
3: now what's the collection of data on, on my end
2: as an operator? Is Ooh, it is Good it, is
1: question. It, is it, am are I you collect- collecting his data? Yeah, exactly. yeah.
2: So we want to be the most transparent data company in the world. That's we,
1: not a yes or a no, though.
2: Yeah, we're collecting. We're collecting. D- yes. <laughs> yes, we're collecting everybody's data for everybody else, and so which, you can which choose- I usually have no problem with. That this is an uh, I'm just wondering
3: then what that what is that data creating? What's yeah. the algorithm that the data is
2: the creating that that's going about. to
3: give me an advantage in, in as an operator? Yeah,
2: so um, a couple different ways um, that we're currently building. Um, so again, uh, to stress, if we want to be the most transparent data company on the internet. We want you to know. And, and be able to choose who can see what aspects of your data. or are talking to the Department of Agriculture for and Colorado and the Extension Board and um, to large distributors. And so you can choose to sell your data or not. And um, you can get back the data from across the country and in other uh, regions or however big you want by selling your data. And so it's not for um, what you would get out of it is uh, a couple different things. And I'll show you.
1: Brandon wants to know what he's going to get on his dashboard.
2: Yeah. Well, I also so, want to
3: know. She likes
1: those snapshots. What's I, moving I, up, yeah, what's yeah, moving yeah. down.
3: I'll be honest yeah. with you. The, the full transparency what I'm trying to get is who's the biggest purchaser of this data. I want to actually know who wants this type of data. Yeah. So Who's w- out there that really wants this w- data? Who's purchasing the data?
2: And we want to tell you. You
1: can email us, techbytes at heritageradionetwork.org. If you know, or if that's you.
3: I don't know. I think Moose is going to tell me who's buying the data.
2: Um, we know who has and who doesn't have. We've ta- uh, I've talked to the um, secretary of agriculture about this kind of stuff. And um, it's really difficult for the um, an underfunded organization like them to, to collect data at such depth and um, articulation. And so on a very... Um, uh, surface direction what we're building is uh, we've seen crop calendars where the months are at the top and the bars and so um, what some uh, departments and extension boards are doing is sending people around with clipboards asking what farmers are selling at markets and that data is is Good, but it's really slow and it's only once or twice um, a year and so what we're doing is we're having it in real time for farmers and chefs to see trends to see needs to see unmet um demand um, in geographic locations, whether they want that at a national level, whether they want that at a borough level, whether they want that at a regional level. And then so that we can go to these farmers and say, hey, again, hey, look at all these chefs that want widalo coche or you know, uni, um, and um, let's provide them a product. So
3: this is a more of a moral question. Who
2: won't you sell data to? Um, Excellent w- question. Yes, that's a super great question. Um, and uh, the answer is, is it's up to you. We want to make it up to you who you want to see your data. Um, we are here for the farmers. Uh, the farming is a really... But, dip- but, if, but if you're
3: selling data to Monsanto, who's giving them an advantage on what kind of monocropping future totally. with so so you it could actually be like a, a, a devastating um Evil
2: <laughs> <Empire>. <laughs> I, I totally totally understand you, you could be
3: funding uh, funding with Evil data Empire. The, Evil ta- Empire. the takeover of somebody who may actually eventually uh, you know wipe yeah, out and we, small farmers
2: w- yeah we again we're here for farmers and we're not here for monsanto they have enough money um and so you do
1: have a list of people, or some people in mind that, or companies that you would not sell data to?
2: So we have some plans for data, and we we know what some people would use for data, and we know what we could use it for. And there are some things that there are large companies that have um, the ability to aggregate delivery and distribution, and that would help out a lot of small farmers. Um, and so, depending on the data, depending on the usage, um, there are some people that we would talk about that with, and um, but. Again, we want to be the most. I mean, transparent this is a tricky here. subject because this it's is a slippery a slope here. Subject.
3: Hey, hey, one person's line may not be another person's line, yeah. but 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 far and all, I think I think the moral question is like: at what point do you say that this is a long term um, the this is a con long term for the yeah. small farmer and an advantage short term is this is this data collection and the selling of the data going to affect them adversely down the line we're, so we're so i think it, i think you so have, have to like kind of look at like where that moral line lies and it also moves it does move because mm-hmm. there's
1: i mean things happen we want to want to provide true.
2: this data for this these farmers is, this you this know their communication things is so everything. hard things are so hard for farmers in between new york and san francisco um, you know, there were literally piles of soybeans just rotting on the ground because they couldn't find a buyer. We don't know how high up our um, product is gonna be able to go, but we know that the problem is is that farmers don't know how to find buyers when they come well, into a situation. Yeah. And but there's also some, but I some mean, of that has the effect of their own their own right. well, I mean, soybeans judgment. Soybean is understand. an
1: interesting is an interesting crop to talk about because it has so many political implications, but it also has Implications in a sort of social trending nutrition way that many of the very, very popular nutritional eating styles or nutritional diets like Whole30 or keto, mm-hmm. you're not eating soybeans or yeah. any soy product for one reason or another. So there's a huge, there's a growing segment of the population that is choosing not to eat. But also you've,
3: you, if you're a soybean farmer, you've probably chosen the subsidy over the right. subs.
1: Yeah. And
2: so these, so. these are, at the larger scale, they want fewer orders for more quantity. And we completely understand that. And so at the end of the day, you know, this is a really tricky subject. And um, our guiding star is that we're here for farmers and um, we will um, do what's best for that.
1: So here's a question. Do you vet the farmers, or can any farm be on there? Can any farm be on your website? Um, uh, when you say you're there for the farmers, yeah, that's great. We're, we're and then I think that there's also I think
3: because well, generally is another people slippery another slippery slope, right? You could you say, could say generally unethi- ethical farming that's deteriorating the the you know
1: industrial farming complex.
2: What To Market does is provide It's provide the communication tool between what farmers have and who wants it.
1: So any farm could be on there.
2: So if you're a farm and you want something that is being, um, is super detrimental to society and super detrimental I'm to the I'm that
1: terrible pork farm that was in the New York Times.
2: There are a lot of t- people doing terrible <laughs> things out there. And um, what we're here to do is connect who wants what with who has it. And if so we can that show farm the data, could be on your site. And if we show the data that less and less people want that product, then I, I think we can show, again, that delta of who wants more heritage breeds, who wants uh, natural farming, who wants... Um, I, pasture-raised pork and and show that there's demand out there for it. So and so you, if they want to be able to do that,
1: what are the requirements for a farm to, to be on your website?
2: be transparent. Somebody,
3: it sounds like somebody if somebody wants it.
1: Yeah, it sounds like it could be anybody. And then you're be transparent about then, what you're doing. And then it's laws of attrition or supply and demand that create opportunity but you're not opposed to having any type of farm or purveyor on I your side. I think
3: site. if I heard this correctly, he's leaving it still to the hands of the purchaser to make the right. the moral decision yeah, on I, what they um, want to buy. Okay. And I think I think that's like no different than Open I, don't, table. I don't it's no different than any other form right. really. They're saying any you can buy anything you want. The 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 moral decision on what you buy is still rested there
1: on you. There are some there are some marketplaces and portals that want to curate or collect or have a point of view. Sure. This is, this is open. What we want to do
2: again, we want to be focusing exactly on being the best product that we can. And the best product is not the what it's the how. And we want to convey the what to not only the chef, but also the diner in the best possible way. How, and that's what to market does. And we want to, um, the, what we ask our farmers is quality and transparency You got to do the best product that you want to be doing and you got to be telling us what that is. And if, you know, you think if um, CAFO farm is the best quality product that you're doing and you are transparent about what that farm is doing to the surrounding um, community, about what it's doing to the soil and ecological health of the the state and the river and, uh, you know, the watershed, um, and you think that there's a market out there for that. What 2Market does is we're going to share that story. And I think that um, things are going in a direction of uh, a a more, you know, you said underlying tiers of um, underlying tiers for your dashboard. And I think that there are a lot more underlying tiers that are necessary out there. It's not just price per pound, it's cost of goods sold. And that means cost of sustainability, cost of regenerating the land, cost of what this is going to look like for my daughter.
3: Yeah, and, and all so, of that stuff should be added into the product and I think I think that transparency is a more is is more uh readily available than than it ever has been.
2: And it's a lot harder to be transparent <clears throat> around phone calls, emails and texts. And that's what uh we're here for. And yeah, you know, there's a lot of really tough questions out there. Um I don't know if you guys heard of these two uh German gentlemen Huber and Bosch. So they solidified the um they are almost inarguably the two most influential people in the world. They solidify, They um, developed the uh, process of solidifying nitrogen out of the air, and they also developed the process of making mustard gas. So they killed, they've been responsible for millions and millions of deaths, but they've been responsible for feeding billions and billions of people Would they have known if what they were doing could do both. Are they bad because of the deaths? Are they saintly because of the lives they fed? Are they now going back to... Um, uh, demonic because of how people are um, mono cropping things. This is a very slippery subject and we're in flight and um, our guiding stars to be here for farmers and being transparent. So, um, you know, this we we love to keep talking and about the data because it's so interesting to us, and I keep wanting to hear so much about it. And um, I'd love to keep hearing everybody else email uh, Heritage Network as your thoughts yeah. on um, how much you know about data, how much you want to know about data, and who you trust with we, your data. We
1: could do an all data show.
2: I'm mm. so open for an all data show.
1: Like <laughs> sometimes uh, we do really geeky shows, but it could be a lot of fun.
2: That would need to be like a marathon. Well, like a
3: twenty-four hour data marathon. If only there were pizza. <gasps> we should do. We
1: should do. You know, this is Heritage Radio Network's tenth anniversary. Been Ooh. on the air since two thousand nine. Maybe we should do a twenty-four hour like Heritage Telethon, or maybe like a ten hour one like, hour for each like year. Sounds like we
3: found a person to round it up. All. Oh of my goodness! It'll be a lot of fun,
1: and we can have like beer and pizza.
2: <laughs> yeah, there's, of there's like a cocktail with beer. soybeans. Yeah. There's Soybean some, pizza? There's some tequila. Soybeans, I got a
1: good, I got a good deal for you on some soybeans. I'm Brandon. sure it
2: sounds
3: like we all have a good deal on soybeans. <laughs> there's right some now.
2: tequila that's staring me right in the face yeah. over there. It's hard to keep her at bay. Yeah.
1: So I am sad to say we are not only out of time. We ran over time.
2: huh. Something flies when you're I know, it's fun. so
1: good. There's always so much more to talk about. If you are interested in meeting David Moosman, he will be back in New York City on Tuesday, May 14th at the Food Future Cohort Number 4 Capstone Day. Mm-hmm. You can buy tickets on Eventbrite. I would search Food Future Cohort 4. If you want to find them online, it is tomarket.farm. They are currently taking information from both farmers and restaurants who are interested in being a part of the site. You can find them on Instagram at twomarket.farm. Brendan Hoy, Roberta's Pizza, owner, co-founder, merch master.
3: I like that. I'm going to add that to my business card. Merchmaster. <laughs> yes.
1: Also, Heritage Radio Network co-host. He is on Thursday mornings, the main course OG. That's at 10 a.m.
3: Also, my real my real job is board member of Heritage Radio. I thought That's your real, real job, job was dad. That is actually my really job. <laughs> dad, husband,
2: those are real jobs.
1: Absolutely, the most important jobs. Yes, they are. The rest is just soybean.
2: Mm-hmm. thanks guys for having me on really appreciate it
1: thanks to all our listeners listening to the last episode of the winter season come back and see listen to tech bites we will be at a new time starting in may tuesday at 6 p.m it's going to be a great season i think we're going to hit episode 200 real soon we're at 174 i think Tech Bytes is engineered by Jeet Paul. Our theme song is Nomada CPU Track by the amazing DJ Uptown Nico. You can find him on SoundCloud and venues around New York City. I'm Jennifer Leuzzi, your host and producer. And this is Tech Bytes. Thanks for listening.
2: Thanks, guys.
4: Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network.